have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome again to the believer's journey. I'm really thankful that you are joining me today and uh uh, I have to tell you that today uh, my guest is just extra super special to my heart and to my family's heart. He's just uh, an amazing man. His name is Dean Rush. And uh, hello, Dean. How are you doing? Oh, great. Good to be with you, Alan. So um, today we're going to talk about um, Dean and his in his life, and, and it's extraordinary. He, Dean has gone through a life that I think most people take 14 lives to go through to get to where he's at. Um, he's an amazing guy. Our topic today is going to be ethical standards in business and life. And um, I've learned a lot from Dean. Uh, he is just really, I can't tell you how special it is to have you on my, on my program here today. Well, special, the, to be with you, Alan, you and Susan have meant a lot to us over the years. And um, I think God has blessed you as he has us in, in uh, having some practical application of the gospel. So let me introduce you to our audience. Basically, um, Dean, Dean is, um, well, I guess you do a lot of counseling now. Is that true? Um, I do counseling um for people that are out of out of jobs, and especially those that have lost a lot of hope uh, because of finance and opportunity, and of course with swing in the energy business in Houston, uh, we see a lot of variance and uh, a lot of turmoil. Yeah. So, Dean here, um, I'm going to read this. This is kind of a, a little bio we have put together. If you go to our website, to uh, thebelieversjourney.net, you can see uh, Dean as our, a guest for this particular program, and uh, we have his bio. We also have your book listed on our website, and there's a link on, on the uh, book itself. You click on it, it'll go right to Amazon. And if you want to purchase his book, um, you'll have to go get through all the airplane and airline metaphors. But it's really an amazing book about trials and life and getting from one place to the next uh, with a lot of integrity. So um, anyway, so Dean offers wise and spiritual counsel to men, women, and families facing dramatic and often unexpected changes in their lives. If you're dealing with like job loss or divorce or other personal and family crises or trials, um, what he calls Flying Free, which is the title of his book, offers valuable lessons and provides a flight plan for success um, that will guide you through most affordable um, life of, of tests, basically. Um, Dean has had a very distinguished career in the Air Force. He was a, a pilot during the Vietnam uh, War conflict, if you call it. And uh, he was also, um, well, you did operations, special ops, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, I worked with some outstanding, very brave uh, folks, unheralded heroes uh, that were in special operations. Now, were you ever shot down in Vietnam? I was. Um, actually, I I uh, actually ended up in a rice paddy. <laughs> uh, it was the most. Uh, it was the flattest, easiest, softest thing I could see <laughs> as, as we were hitting the ground. So uh, it worked out fine, but. Uh, I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the trauma that a lot of a lot of folks had in that position, so I'm very thankful. Yeah, well, God has blessed you in a lot of ways. It seems like you get to a point where there's something happening, and somehow He's there to help you walk through. And you've been wise enough to take that counsel from Him. I've noticed in my life that I've known you, you've had that wisdom 
to make that decision to say, okay, here's our problem. Okay, God, where are you? Okay, let me follow your your guide. I found in life, uh, Alan, and I think we we get in a hurry sometimes to make, and I'm I'm guilty of this, or I have been guilty of this probably in my younger life more, but um, we're so directed by society at solving our own problems. And uh, certainly God wants us to think our way through problems. But um, I had to learn to rely um, very tactfully on him. And in every case, um, if I would wait on his purpose for the event, uh, I would get through it. Not because I was smart or intelligent or wise. Um, it was because... I, I allowed something outside myself uh, to guide me. And um, I think that's quite often what happens to all of us as we get into trials and turmoil in our lives. And we all experience trials and turmoils. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, though, there are some people, and you say this in your book, it's really good, uh, where the failures or the trials or the tests and the, the hardships we go through are just a stepping stone for success, basically. And this is my, my uh, paraphrase, but it's kind of what you, you say in, in your book. Yeah. James one, two, I believe uh, this is paraphrasing, but uh, James tells uh, the other disciples, um, we need to be thankful for all challenges because they develop perseverance and um, as humans, we say sometimes we've had too much perseverance. We just want to slow down. But uh, perseverance is necessary, and God can give you strength um, through that, that element in your life. Yeah. Now, I want to read something that's uh, – I had this somewhere else, and I don't I, – I think I must have left it at home. But in your book, it tells us, just so everyone in our audience understands – uh, and I'm going to go through some of these areas, not only here in your book, but what I know of you personally. Um, uh, for example, it says here on the, on the flap here that you served 11 years in, in the Air Force, correct? That's correct. And that you, um, you were in Special Forces, you were in the uh, Air Force, you earned the Silver Star, the Distinguished yeah. Flying Cross, and 10 Air Medals of, for Valor. So They were gifts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so your, your humility really is before you, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I don't know that I earned them. Uh, there were people that probably did a lot more than I. I was, I was thankful for the acknowledgement, but uh, again, um, a lot of people made a lot more sacrifices than I did. So um, I don't really honestly know how I ended up with all of that, but I'm thankful. Yeah. Now I know that um, you and a friend started a, a, a airline company. Is it, and I guess you would take packages and you fly them to, I'm not going to name your competitors or your, or the, whoever bought you out. I don't know if you want to do that or not. Was that Emerald airlines? That was Emerald airlines. And, uh, uh you mentioned that <laughs> some friends and I, um, some guys with, uh, pilot cold, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, they were other pilots that I'd flown with in Vietnam and we started a coal company um, I didn't stay in very long, but we used the money we made there to uh, to start Emerald, and we started it with two guys, uh, all of us former Air Force people. And the idea was we'd get to continue flying, but we learned very quickly you need money to start an airline. <laughs> so uh, we leased an airplane, very uh, inefficient uh, airplane, the Gulfstream 1, and we would fly packages. Um, the idea was, and this is before all of the the development of the package industry now, but we, we flew uh, around the state of Texas from Austin, San Antonio, Houston Hobby, Dallas Love, back to Austin. And we made that trip around two nights a week, 
and we would carry baggage or carry these packages. And uh, we didn't have enough money to fly outside the state. And there was another airline that didn't have enough money to fly into the state, but they were in New York, Chicago, and some other places. And so every morning at 420, uh, we would land in uh, at Dallas Love, and Federal Express would land in Dallas Love. <laughs> we would exchange packages, so everybody thought we were both going all over the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> but it was quite an experience. And uh, because there were only three of us in the beginning, um, if you called to have us pick up a package or have a package flown, uh, you would call, and um, whoever was on the on the desk at that particular time would answer Emerald Airlines. And uh, they would say, may I speak with your uh, operations department? And then you would say yes, and you would put them on hold, and you'd come off and say, ah, this is operations department. <laughs> we didn't have enough money for more than three of us, so uh, – <laughs> The other guys were great, uh, great men, uh, Dick Martell and, and Bill Ford, and they were fantastic men. But, uh, yeah, we were all all pilots, and uh, that was a dream. And then a few years later, um, the uh, company dissolved into what is uh, all over Texas now, FedEx. <laughs> they kind of they took over those routes and did a great job. And, of course, yeah. Fred Smith. Uh, did a great job of building that company. So that's that's pretty impressive. I uh, uh, another thing I know that you've done that I think is pretty remarkable. You were hired, I guess, after the nine eleven. You were the uh, person called by the president President Bush to go look into the Pentagon into that crash. Um, yes, actually, uh, I was one of seventeen uh, people around the country who in the aviation business and our task. Um, at that time was simply to, uh, well, as the president said, uh, he walked through the room and I have a, a vivid memory of him walking through the room and saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this will never again happen on my watch. And he walked out and uh, that was our task to try to figure out how to, uh, to investigate what had happened and come up with methods of, of preventing it in the future. And uh, it was a very interesting time. Very, very intelligent, uh, wise people were involved. Um, Secretary Congolese Rice was heading the, the group up. And then um, we were privileged to, to be a part of it. But uh, some of the airport security facets now came out of that. And uh, it was a tough time for our country. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, also, I, I understand, or I, I know that uh, you were vice president for, I guess, is it the central region for American Airlines? You were senior vice president? Yes. And, um, yeah, they had a general aviation company. And, um, and then I was uh, – I was senior VP of the central region of the country and very interesting uh, responsibility for a guy that never wanted to be in a big company. (laughs) (laughs) I learned. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I I learned a tremendous amount from that experience. And uh, I can give you a bit of the background um, about how I, came to be with the company because honestly I didn't, I always said, I will never, I want to start my own company. I don't want to be a big company. And um, as you know, Alan, I had, uh, I experienced some pretty serious cancer and uh, we had a small business in Lockhart, Texas, a couple of small businesses and they were doing well and suddenly they got sick and um, essentially they wound down to nothing. And uh, I had given up completely, thought I was going to die. Vicki and my wife and my two great children were working and they were keeping everything going. And, uh, but I was contributing nothing. I was home on the couch and uh, just me and our yellow lab. (laughs) 
and uh, with not much future um, expecting expectation of future. So I finally just said, Lord, I've had enough. And uh, I had down on my knees and I was honestly ready, ready to give up the ghost. I figured that everything was better without me at that point. And uh, I started getting better. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a daily thing. It wasn't, bright light or anything like that. But every day I begin to have a different attitude that, you know, if I fought on a little farther, uh, I tell this hoping that if someone's listening, they'll go through the same thing. You just have to take it one day at a time. And over a period of time, I, um, I was able to get well enough that I could get out and it turned out, uh, Surprisingly, that out of the blue, about six months later, I received a call from uh, a great guy that had worked with me 10 years before um, when I was at Emerald and uh, running Emerald. And uh, Dale called and he said, um, this is no one would hire me. So he called and he said, how would you like to come to Grand Rapids, Michigan and work for American Airlines? And I said, yes, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't hesitate. I said, now, Dale, you need to understand, I don't have a long uh, expectation for life. They've given me a certain percentage to live maybe a year or a little more. And uh, he said, well, if, if you would come, we'll just need some of your expertise. So Vicki and I piled the furniture in a couple of U-Hauls and we drove to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I got out of the U-Hauls, we unloaded. I went to, to meet Dale and uh, I said, oh, by the way, what is this pay? And he said, uh, and he told me the figure, it was exactly 10% of what I had made the year I'd gotten sick. And um, so you, you have to know I've tithed in reverse. <laughs> but we we were able to go from there, and then 11 years later, I was uh, able to be president of that uh, of that group. Yeah, and you mentioned that um, that you had fought cancer, and I'm going to let our audience know you. Well, we you contracted Asian Orange during Vietnam. This is correct. Yes. Yeah. So, and I like a lot of our our um, veterans who went to Vietnam. This is a has been a major problem with a lot of them. I know I have friends of mine who went to Vietnam and came back with Asian Orange, and it reacts differently. I I understood some people. You know, one guy I knew took his arm, took a fingernail, went like this down his arm, and it would turn bright red all the whole thing. And then, you know, we talked about the different ways that it it you know interfered with your life. Yeah, it changes. Uh, I'm told scientifically, anyway, that it changes your DNA, and uh, it therefore uh, apparently is prone to to change the cellular makeup in your body. And of course, cancer is just an accumulation of additional cells, unwanted cells, and uh, that's apparently what it does. So, yeah, an interesting time. Well, fortunately, you know, you've, you're still here. You know, you've added a tremendous amount to my life. Uh, you and I met while we were both attending Community Bible Church in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Right. The, funny, the funny thing is Dean was running a um, Bible study in his home, and so uh, Susan and I went to the Bible study, and we liked it. It was, it was I think what it was is that I connected with Vicki. You know, she's that sarcastic funny person that I loved uh, that, that humor, you know? So she and I, I mean, it was really funny. You just go back and forth and I loved it. And, and you're just so great. And that's just what connected us right there. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. She, everyone always says that, uh, I connected with Vicki. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, Dean was a uh, was our. Uh, you actually became our executive um, pastor at the church. I did. It was a real honor. Um, Alan and I attended a church started by Robert Emmett, uh, who's a fantastic speaker, just and still is. 
he's now retired from community Bible, but in fact, it started a church out in Colorado. But uh, Robert, uh, I had been in the corporate world and retired, and uh, Robert and I were having lunch one day, and, and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm not sure. I've retired and probably going to relax a little bit. He said, how would you like to uh, help us at the church part-time? And uh, I soon learned when Robert said part-time, that meant maybe 60 hours a week. <laughs> but uh, I worked there um, along with uh, General Chuck Carroll, who was retired from the Air Force. We were both in the same position, and uh, um, we quickly found there was a mission there. So um, I, I was fortunate enough to be named by Robert as the uh, executive pastor, and uh, it was a tremendous opportunity because the church was growing at an unprecedented rate of, I don't remember, Alan, you may, but it was 17 to 20% a year. Yeah, I, I, well, I thought it was like 20%, but basically, from what I understand, we were the 11th, 7th or the 11th fastest growing church in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we surpassed in, we became the largest church in San Antonio. I think we surpassed uh, Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, to have 25, I think we had 25,000 members at, the, at that point, at, at your height, when you, before you left. Yeah, when I, when I got there, I remember, uh, I thought it was a large church because it was maybe 4,000 and uh, attending, and, um, and it was a God thing. And everything we did, uh, that's what was so exciting. We saw God's hand in and. Um, with the foresight and the wisdom that God had poured into Robert Emmett, uh, it was just fun to be along for the ride and see things that occurred. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the neatest things I have to tell everybody this, uh, I was um, during the period that we were in your Bible study and, and uh, during this period, I think this is like 2008. Uh, I may be wrong. My wife would know, uh, I was asked to um, perform a, a wedding, and here I I'm basically been in Texas since 2000, and I didn't know the, all the laws. All I know is where I lived before. You either had to be uh, ordained by the church, or you had to be licensed by the state, like in like in Hawaii. You, you're licensed by the state, or same thing with, with Illinois, where I lived, to be able to perform weddings. Well, I thought the same thing in Texas. So I'm here, and I'm thinking, well, I don't have a license to do this. So I uh, was talking to you one night, and she said, well, let me see what I can do about that, you know, because I wanted the license to, to uh, do the, the wedding ceremony. And the funniest thing is, it was about two months later, I was like, is this ever going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> and finally you came up and you handed me this envelope and I opened it up and it said, you know, Alan Cuddy, an associate pastor of community Bible church. I'm like, I'm, I'm not looking to be associate pastor here. I was looking for your license. And you said, you've well deserved in his past due. I remember those were your, your words. So. And it was past due. Uh, you were in ministry and everything. Uh, very much admired because of it. But, uh, yeah, God worked through you. It still is, obviously. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I have a lot of people who were, I don't know, I guess they considered, I guess you have people within the church who are leaders that a lot of the lay people, a lot of the people in the church would look at them as their pastor because it's not always easy to, you know, touch touch base with the senior pastor who's got 25,000 people to look after. So you, you find a pastor of lower means, lower area. So, but that was really cool. Then I find out in Texas, you don't have to have anything. Anybody can get married by anybody. It's just <laughs> weird in Texas. <laughs> so, you know, I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but that was fun. But I was, I really was honored. And uh, I know that Ray Jones had, had came up one time, because I always teased Ray Jones about wearing, you know, fufu, you know, because I'm always Aloha wear, and I had these pants, and I always go to Hawaii, and I get these stuff. And his son teased me one time, or we were, so told me to tease his dad about getting some kind of Aloha wear. And as I did this, 
this is before I even got, I received the, you know, associate pastor. I, I said something to him about getting him these pants that were all flowers. And he says, I, I can't believe I voted for you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Well, it was that next Monday night is when you handed it to me. It was just a few days later. Oh, that's what Ray was talking about. Cause the elders had to vote for this to get for me. A hundred percent acclamation for that uh, responsibility, Alan, everyone knew you because of your work. So it was, it was well-deserved. Well, it's, Never easy when you've got, you know, you're doing, you're not even, I'm not even staff and I'm doing the baptisms and, you know, teaching and I mean, the choir and did all these other things. It's, it's really amazing. But I've always been taught, Lon Ekdahl, who is my pastor growing up, and he always taught about being in, involved and active in your local church. And so I always believed that. And that's what you do. Well, it's, it's imperative. And, uh, you know, when Paul wrote in uh, Romans, uh, he talks a lot about that with with the people uh, to whom he's addressing that book. And, of course, he wrote Romans when he was in prison. He's telling people that the way they truly participate as Christians is to mentor people. And to do that, community is very, very important. And the church is community. Yeah. So I want you to tell our audience, because when you were here and you had this amazing job, you had this amazing house, you had this amazing life here in San Antonio, I want you to tell our audience why you're not here. Um, <laughs> we, we love San Antonio. We, we literally enjoyed the friends and you and Susan and all of the people that we, we were privileged to get to know there. But our son is a pastor, and uh, he had three beautiful daughters, and one of those daughters is uh, special needs, and uh, she has a, a, an affliction called Jacobson syndrome, and uh, it's a deletion of the 11th Q chromosome, and I, scientifically. But uh, Vicky has a very, very special relationship uh, with Lily because Lily is nonverbal. She has difficulty uh, hearing and uh, high on the autistic spectrum. And somehow uh, Vicki and Lily have developed this ability to communicate that allows uh, Vicki to have some, some excellent uh, capability of mentoring Lily and Lily loves her grandma. And so we dropped out in San Antonio and we went to Austin to be near um, Ryan and Lana and Lily. And uh, we were there about four years or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, about four years and uh, didn't think he would ever move. And then uh, he was called to a larger church in Katy, Texas, which is where we now live. And when he was called here, um, we still had the obligation or felt an obligation to help with Lily. And Ryan announced to Vicki and I that uh, we were called also. And we said we didn't know God made conference calls. But <laughs> <laughs> we ended up uh, coming to Katie, and it's been a great experience. And uh, my son is now our senior pastor. <laughs> Uh, we we go to service, and he's our son when he's not in the pulpit, uh, and we laugh and just can't. You can't. Uh, as you all have children, probably you will know that uh, you see your child as uh, as they were. Our son is now mature, but uh, he's still our son, and just has a beautiful family. But that's how we ended up in Katy. I don't know. It's a long way around. But. No, I, I, I think it's important that, that, you know, people know this story because, you know, I was there. I was there when you were trying to sell your house for 5,000 years, you know. <laughs> it, at least that's what it seemed like it felt like when, yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
but I know that I know the struggles you went through in all of this because I was there and I, I watched this and um, I think it's a neat story that you went to uh, because of your granddaughter and I think that's uh, something that I think we lack in our country is that connection in family and I think that uh, I mean Ryan your son. He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing pastor. I have at least two of his books, if not three. He's an accomplished writer. I think one of them is called Coming Home or something like that. But, you know. Yeah, he has uh, the, the most popular book he's written is called Walls. And uh, it's about all those walls we face uh, as we go through um, as we go through life and how through God you can break them down. And uh, that one has sold a lot of books and he's in the midst of another and he's finishing his doctorate and, uh, and we're very proud of him, but uh, he's still our son. We, we remember yeah. and he the door shut so was, until he cleaned his clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have an incredible family, um, you know, Dean, God has truly blessed you and blessed your life and has blessed your family. I mean, honestly, there's not many people that I consider uh, in my heart that it goes flutter when you're going to be around. And you're, well, you and Vicki are one of those people, or two of those people. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. She's very much the, uh, I just, as I said, I follow her around. So. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to move on to our topic, ethical standards in business and life, and I, I wanted to give my story first, and I want you to talk because I know that I'm not a business person. However, in when I married Susan, she was working for her father. Her father started a uh, a business as a, a promotional products business, and it sold flags and. Uh, custom-made products and so forth. And I was at the time, I was teaching at the university. I was a Bible professor at National Christian University. And I resigned from there, and I just wondered, Susan, what do you do? And we started doing that, and I realized that, hey, we could do more than just San Antonio. I taught myself how to build a website, so I did. It was the most rinky-dink-looking website in the world. But, you know, it took off, and all of a sudden, we're making three times the money and, and so forth. But there was something that... People ask me, I've even gone to Moldova, and I've had a teacher of business ask me, every year I go, he asked me to teach to his class about business and how I became successful. And I told him, there's nothing business about it. I don't know anything about business. All I know are the standards and the ethical standards and the principles of the Bible that God teaches us. And as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, I took those things that I knew from the ministry and applied them to the business. And that's the only way that I see that it's grown. The funny thing is now, uh, for several years, and especially like last year, I mean, we sell to trade shows for people to do booths and banners and things. Well, the trade show industry, as you know, is closed the entire year. We lost lots of money. <laughs> we couldn't pay ourselves. You know, it was just amazing. But we didn't go hungry. We didn't lose our house. We didn't, you know, nothing. And we were fine. God took care of us. And I really believe whether you're making a lot of money or you're not, the value of everything is integrity. And it's in the what you honor and give to God in order to follow him to bless you in any area or any direction he's taking you in your business. And what do you think about that? Well, I, I totally endorse your words, Alan. And um, from my experience, um, I I remember when I was young, my father died when I was uh, in my teens and, uh, and missed him uh, tremendously, um, as, as all of us do at that age. I was learning. He was a great mentor. And um, I remember distinctly that uh, we lived on a farm. There were four boys. My mom uh, had a high school education, but we had just purchased the farm, had a large debt. And um, a well-meaning grandfather uh, sent a social worker out to our home. And when the social worker came, we sat around the kitchen table and she began by saying, Mrs. Rush, if you're going to raise these boys, 
you're going to have to make some more money, which means additional education. And my mother said something like, well, how do I do that? And uh, she said, well, you know, the boys could be in foster care while you're doing this. And at that point, my next younger brother and I, who just retired as chairman of a large bank chain in Indianapolis, um, escorted the lady to her car. And we were walking back into the house crying. And I mean really crying. And both of us said, we will never be poor. We will never be poor. And so, unfortunately, that became my uh, scorecard. And um, I wanted to do anything I could to become uh, monetarily happy, <laughs> successful. And, um, and then I, at some point when the children were young and I had made a lot of mistakes in my life, um, I went home one Wednesday, I think, just before Thanksgiving, Vicki was talking to our children and saying, we're going to go see Grandpa and Grandma Morgan in California, her parents. And, um, and Ryan said, Mom, is Dad going? And she said, no, he's too busy. And at that point, um, I suddenly realized I have set my objectives on the wrong target. Um, I was shooting for the wrong thing. And I was about to lose my family. So uh, I'm embarrassed when I say this, but uh, I had to totally rearrange my life at that point and understand that God only gives you one family. And I'd made some huge mistakes. Everything was about power. It was about, and I was successful. Um, but I had to give it up before I could start building it back. So, yeah. Uh, well, one of the one of the comments I think that you have is that um, faith and family are two things that money cannot buy. I think that's your statement. Yes, most important things, uh, and I tell people when I speak, um, you can buy. Uh, it could be uh, the cash, the car, the house, uh, but everything you buy is going to rust and wither uh, at some point. Uh, it's going to decay, but uh, faith and family just keep giving back. And uh, if you can develop your targets, uh, make that the target of your life, everything else falls into place. Uh, you have a support team. You have um, a way of getting through tough times and, uh, and a way to develop grace through one another. And, uh, Vicky's uh, given me a lot of grace over the years. <laughs> well, that's what wives tend to do. <laughs> we we aren't always uh, men are not always the smartest people uh, to walk the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the. I've I've been told I'm in the upper third of the bottom fifth of wisdom. <laughs> well, you know, I have some scriptures here, and. Um, and I want to read one, and then I want to I want to talk about you know the ethical standards that you see that are important to you that I think that you believe that we are maybe missing or that those are in, who are in business need to capture in order to um, find true life. Okay, because I know what you mean by I know you know what I mean by that, and I want you to explain that. But here's I want to read this scripture. It's in Proverbs eleven three, and it says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. And what I want to say real quick before we go to you is that I know that when we have people in our business and we get phone calls from all over the country, sometimes in other countries to order our products. And there are times when our manufacturers or even us ourselves will make a mistake. And sometimes it's not our mistake. It might be the customer's mistake. And when they come and call and complain or they need something different, you know, a lot of times for me, I believe in replacing something to help the customer. It's not necessarily my bottom line that I need to worry about, but it's my customer's bottom line. It's there that I need to help. Sometimes it's at their fault and I'll say, well, why don't we just split the cost or I don't need to make a double profit. So I'll just, how about just my cost is what I'll do so that I don't do that because I don't like it done to me. 
you know. What do you think about all that? And I want to hear, I really want to hear what you have to say about the standards ethically that, that we need to have in business in life. Well, um, it's paramount to success. Um, and if you look at the truly successful people in, in life, and I'm not talking about monetary success, I'm talking about people that, um, are satisfied with their life that they're they're driven by God to uh, perform a service to um, to society. Uh, they all have reached the point where they can give back. I'm thinking of people like um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Norm Miller, but he's the chairman of the board of Interstate Batteries. And the first thing Norm will tell you when you hear him speak or you speak to him is that um, he's formed a company where they give back. Uh, he ties the, um, the income from the company. Uh, he ties his own income. He has formed a number of ministries. Um, Vicki and I were privileged to be part of one where um, – about 90% of the the people from outside the United States that come here to go to seminary and supposedly return to their home country, many of these people came from third world countries. And, and Norm and some others began to realize that uh, once they're here for three years to attend seminary, they didn't want to go home. Um, we have a society that's so so beautiful that they want to remain. So what he started, um, and I'm using this only as, as an example of what ethical process and thought process can do in a positive way. He started a process whereby uh, money from the United States would go to build seminaries in those countries. As a result, uh, it was much more efficient. The people remained there. Uh, they they received their theological education. They could minister but um, I use him as an example often because I believe that that type of ethical example uh, should be found wherever we are in our businesses. And, um, and it's, it's simple in a way when you're operating a business to see um, what just being a part of, of God's community can can be and how it helps other people yeah yeah there there's another script a couple of more scriptures i want to read and this one is also in in proverbs this is a proverbs 21 3 and it says to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice and i think a lot of times we forget that the right living is really what god is looking for in us. And it's not that we prosper. It's not that we become famous or rich or any of that, but that we live and make wise decisions and live in a right manner. Um, and we're, and we're just, we're fair to other people. We, we have mercy with other people. It brings me to my other uh, verse I want to talk about. And I think is, I heard this the first time was by a, a professor of mine. He actually became the Bible uh, he was a Bible professor at um, Azusa Pacific University. His name is Bruce Bolowian. And he's, his, he has on his wall, Micah 6, 8. And it says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you is to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And, and I think that... When we talk about ethics, when we talk about standards, when we talk about business, when we talk about life, when we talk about family, I think this this verse holds the key to all of it. It does because it expounds on the um, on the gift that we are given. I think by God to um, to endure. And a lot of life is enduring. Uh, we've seen it during the pandemic. We've seen it uh, 
during the ice storms. We've seen it in so many uh, challenges in life. But the whole the whole perception of life being easy uh, is wrong. I don't I don't think that God ever allowed us to, uh, I guess, to have the wisdom uh, that it's going to take to think ahead of him. Yeah. And so saying there is, is quite pertinent to life itself. You know, Chuck Swindoll wrote a book one time, a long time ago called three steps forward, two steps back. And it's just exactly what it is. And I think, and I don't know if it's the generation or if just because of our lack of patience. I don't know. But we need to understand it's not always going forward only. We have back steps. We have the failures. You know, failures, without failure, our successes would be probably very limited. What do you think? Oh, I, I think we learn from those, uh, those times that we fail. Uh, I certainly have. So I've learned a lot. (laughs) Uh, I think that God provides us with the strength. My favorite Bible verse is Deuteronomy 31, six. In fact, it's, it's stated more than I think 300 times in the Bible, but uh, Moses, if you'll remember, uh, had fought the whole nation of Israel. They had fought to get back to their homeland uh, in Israel And they're about to cross the Jordan River, and Moses was old. And uh, God spoke to him and said, you're too old. I want you to hand the reins for leadership off to your number two guy, Joshua. And uh, Moses told Joshua, and he said, I can't do it. I I just can't do it. Um, I followed you. And uh, Moses relayed some words that God had said to him. And they are, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Uh, for the Lord your God will never leave you or abandon you, even in the face of your enemy. And sometimes in life, our enemy can be financial. Uh, it can be those times that you've spoken about, Alan. Um, we've all faced that enemy in some way. Uh, maybe it's our own action. But uh, he is with us, even at the time we're facing our enemy. So, um I believe the words that you spoke are more than valid. Uh, they apply to all of us. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of statements that I've um, I put down on paper. I, I'm sure I can't read all of them, but there are all these little, you know, everybody has these little quick, fun statements that make learning out of them. And, uh, for example, you have a forced change may put you exactly where you should have been all along. And I like that. That really, that's really your song. Because, <laughs> you know, here you, here you are, you're going into uh, professional basketball. That's something we didn't talk about, <laughs> you know. And then you're off moving on to the Air Force, which then you're moving on to your uh, one company to another and then so forth. And you've moved from state to state to city to city all over. And I like this. A forced change may put you exactly where you should have been all along. And I think that's true. If we watch what God does in our lives and we we move that direction, we'll see God creates this understanding and teaching in our lives because of that. And I see that wisdom in you because of all these things. And I'm sure Vicky's love to move 14,000 times, right? So <laughs> Susan's the same way. <laughs> but, you know... It helps. Well, it does. And uh, people, Vicki lived all over the world. Of course, she was in the, her parents were in the military. Her dad was in the Army. And uh, she started uh, grade school in Japan, junior high in uh, Germany, um, I think senior high school or part of her high school in the U.S., graduated from college or high school and started college in Ethiopia. And uh, she married a farm boy from Indiana. So uh, as we have learned over the years, um, and she taught me this, you never, you never leave friends. You just make more friends. Yeah. And um, that's been a, that's been a, uh, 
piece of advice from her that uh, I've learned to live with and love because it's exactly right. Yeah. And there's two more ver- things I want to, I want to say that I want to speak that you wrote down. One is this um, problem solving doesn't have to be difficult. Now I believe that only because I think Jesus taught us that decision-making and things to do and, and go places are easy when, he, especially in Matthew uh, eleven twenty eight. When he says, "You know, those who are weary and heavy, da- laden, heavy burdened down, you know, follow me. My yoke, my, you know, I, I consider a yoke a guidance system, is easy, you know, and my burden is light." So he teaches us this, and I think your words here are, are perfectly in line with Jesus. Well, I, I, I would hope so, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> So God gives us, uh, I truly believe that uh, God gives us that that direction, uh, but we have to listen. And yeah. uh, it's it's imperative that we learn that lesson, because yeah. if we him and just follow his path, uh, he'll get us there. Yeah, and the last one here that you say is, in the midst of the storm, use faith. I mean, really, what else is there? Faith is the strongest asset that we have in our lives. Uh, you can live with uh, with very little water, as long as you have some. You can live with very little money. Uh, some people have none. Uh, you can live with uh, health, as long as you have some. But if you lose faith, uh, you lose the hope. And God gives us hope. He sent us Jesus uh, to give us hope for all of our sins, uh, for all of the things that we've done wrong. And we all do a lot. I've done my part. We've all done our part. But uh, it's faith that really gives us the strength. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty fortunate in the fact that it kind of comes easy to me. I'm kind of, it's unfortunate that I don't always make the best decisions, you know, but knowing that God's going to take care of me, knowing that, you know, if I follow him, it's, it's, you know, pretty easy to know this and understand it. My problem is that I'll close my eyes sometimes and just say, well, you know, I may want to take this other side step and then I get myself in trouble. (laughs) I know that feeling. (laughs) all too well right (laughs) when uh, I look at my wife and I get the rolling eyes award (laughs) (laughs) I have the same wife (laughs) that's funny okay real quickly you got a few minutes here and I want to talk about this Um, now you have a bachelor's bachelor of arts from DePauw uh, University and it's in business administration and also, you have a master's in public and business administration from Golden Gate University, right? Mm-hmm. But lately now, you've been more in connected with uh, Liberty. You've got your uh, master's of arts and religion from uh, Liberty University, from the seminary there. And I understand you're also teaching now over there at Liberty University. Yes, I teach, um, of course, um, having with business, and it really has to do a lot with what uh, you mentioned earlier. It's on ethics and development of working with people, and it's uh, it's called organizational behavior um, in the school of business. And I teach um, I teach undergraduates and uh, some graduate students, and uh, the whole purpose is to acquaint them with the necessity of working with people, uh, which is what business is. Uh, certainly you want the, the income, but to obtain the income, no matter what business you're in, you have to work with people. So understanding how they're organized, um, becoming a part of their team and understanding that uh, they're God gifted people and if you can find their gifts and work in concert with those, uh, their gifts, things work out pretty well. For, for and, you know, and I think whether you're in the ministry or whether you have a business, I mean, I watch, I listen to Susan talk to people 
about things that are so unrelated to business, but she's connecting in a relationship. You know, same thing with pastors. I think a pastor preaches a sermon and runs off the stage and runs away and doesn't want to be connected with, he's going to lose his audience. He's going to lose his, his following. And, and we have to be there as people who connect with people. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, during the first year I was with American, I worked with a, a group in Grand Rapids, um, ran a fixed space operation, which is where airplanes, executive airplanes go for fuel maintenance and, and uh, sales sometimes. And there was, a, um, there was a customer there who was really, um, how can I put it? He was, he was tough. <laughs> he uh, demanded a lot from our, from our people. The uh, employees didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, he was our biggest customer. He spent more money with the company buying fuel, parts for his airplane, and so forth, than anyone else on the base. And um, I tried to determine exactly how I could relay that to the, um, to the employees. And so I told him it didn't make any difference. And then I had a luncheon for everybody. Uh, our employees and uh, and this gentleman, and I started it off by asking him uh, what he thought of what was happening there, and he surprisingly said, "I think this is great." And I said, "Okay, what do you want us to do?" And he said very simply, "Just do what you advertise." You advertise good service. You advertise fair prices. You advertise support for my customers. He he was a charter pilot, had an airplane that flew people around. Uh, You advertise you're going to keep my airplane clean. He said, just do what you advertise. And the employees then looked at him and said, you know what? He's not too far out of bounds. (laughs) Uh, He just wants what we say we will do. And I think quite often in life, um, if we do what God tells us to do and we do what he says to do, things are going to turn out pretty well. Yeah. Well, it's kind of impressive, you know, uh, the life you've had, the long you know, life you've had. You're not stopping. You're not quitting. You're continuing to go on. And I like that. I can't see myself ever retiring, if you will, and stop ever teaching the Bible. I just something I think I'll always do. Um, I mean, it's funny right now. I don't have a full time place at a, at a school or university, but I go to Moldova, you know, every year if possible and teach over there. You know, I teach a class here every single week in, in my church. And so and I do this every week and I teach the world. So I think it's important that we continue to continue. And Absolutely. I think that. I think that God is blessing you probably because one reason is, is that, that alone. Well, you're, you're the same Alan, and I'm not trying to just give accolades to you. I can, I think that if everyone that's listening to this broadcast understands that they have a place um, and uh, you're right in the Bible, I've never found the word retirement. Um, you see where people sleep with their fathers and so forth uh, in death. But uh, we're going to die someday. But while we're here, we need to do as much as we can to further the kingdom. Yeah. So for everybody, I want to lift up this book so you see it again, uh, Flying Free. I'm going, to, I'm going to actually put this on our website under our list of books. I actually recommend books that I've read that I really like, and I've read this, and I had to go back through it again just recently when I knew you were coming on my program. And it'll be in our book section, so if people want to click on it, it'll take them right to Amazon, and uh, you can order it there. I also noticed that people were selling their used copies of this also. So uh, this is a hard hard copy. Do you make any soft copies of this or no? Um, no, no. They did the hard copy. In fact, um, Alan, if the audience would like um, – if they, they order them through through your uh, page, I'll be glad to sign them. And the money that I make from these now goes to missions. Um, so whatever, 
whatever they would like. As long as I can get, uh, I think the mailing cost is uh, $3.80 or something like that. Um, so if you'd like, I could always put your email on my uh, as a link on my website if you'd like that. Sure. That, okay, I'll do that. And, uh, yeah. That for for folks because I, it's not that it may it may put you to sleep. It's a good sleep aid, uh, but but it's uh, no. That's the purpose of the book is just to let people know that life is going to uh, is going to be good if they follow the good example of Jesus. Yeah, and it's got great stories in here. It's got great analogies that put you on the track that you need to walk for wise living. It, it really is, is really remarkable. I like the book a lot. So I remember when you got it, I have, I have my own signed copy. <laughs> so anyway, it's been great having you here, Dean. I just think you're the world of you. I know many of my friends think the world of you and, um, and God bless you. And hopefully you get out of your, um, Hotel room soon, back into your home when they fix it up. They will. They will. Okay. Well, aloha, everyone, and um, thank you for joining me today and, uh, and us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. 